Welcome to Find Your Grit Girl podcast. I am your host, Megan, and this is episode two. Step one, find your worth. In this episode, I discuss insight on how to build your confidence in different things that you may be doing that are sabotaging your ability to succeed so that you are one step closer to perseverance and grit. Join me on this journey in this episode as I cover three different things that you can change today to help you be more successful and have more self-confidence. So the first topic I want to talk about is forgiveness. This is extremely important before we can have self-improvement. We typically think of this as something that we do for someone else. We forgive friends for hurting us. We forgive family. We forgive the person that cut us off on our way to work. But it's time to talk about forgiving ourselves. Before we can persevere and find our grit, we must forgive ourselves. I want you to think about your life as a timeline and think about what year you were born all the way up to the age that you will pass or assuming you live a long, healthy life. I then want you to think about all of the lows of your past up until today in this moment as you listen to this podcast. I then want you to think about how many years you have left here on earth. Think about all of those things that have happened to you in the past, the nasty things people have said to you if you were bullied in school, the things that those mean girls said to you, the way an abusive partner treated you, the way your parents may have mistreated you. I want you to think about all of those things and how many years you have left here on earth. Why are you stuck on those things from your past? Why are you allowing things that have happened in the past that you have no control over now to toxify your life and your ability to move forward? Stop beating yourself up. Stop believing all of those lies that everybody else has told you about yourself. Stop blaming yourself for things that are behind you. Stop telling yourself that you should have said this or you should have done that. As humans, we tend to really ponder on events of our past that we have literally no control over, but we think we do. And as I talk about forgiveness, I want you to know that I do not just mean like decisions or mistakes that you may have had in the past or things that you did have control over, but also things that have happened to you as a child or growing up that were not the fault of your own. We often carry this baggage from when we were really young and things that we experienced as children. And we blame ourselves for it. We blame ourselves for our parents' divorce. We blame ourselves for our dad not being in our lives. We blame ourselves for our mom not being in our lives. We blame ourselves for the death of a sibling. But the reality is that as a child, you did not have control over those things. They were not the fault of your own. And oftentimes we carry that guilt into our adulthood and it really affects our self esteem. We are so stuck on those things that we are unable to have high self-esteem. We are unable to see how worthy we are of a good life as adults. And when we start to look at the vulnerable parts of us that other people might view as weak or a flaw, or we might see it as a flaw in ourselves or a weakness of ours, When we start to look at those vulnerable parts of us, that's when we start to realize 
that we are a lot stronger than we're making ourselves out to be. That's when we take something that we might feel uncertain of or insecure about and we use it to make it a strength of ours. Um, A good example of this is being at in grad school. So I look very young and you know, when I'm sitting in class in grad school, people always think like, oh, this is just a young girl. She doesn't know anything about life, you know. And it's typically from like older women that are in my program. And the other day we were having a conversation in one of my classes about um, teen pregnancy and um, young mothers. And this woman said, well, you know, these, these young moms, like they're getting pregnant at 25 and, you know, it's kids having kids and they're too young. And the old me, when I first had my daughter would have been so ashamed. Like she would have really hit that insecure part of me. She would have hit that part of me that felt flawed for being a young mom and having a kid before I was married and young and Etc. Instead, I was like, um, I'm sorry, you know, I'm a strong woman and I did have a kid very young and I am 25. <laughs> so I was like a little offended by her comment because I felt like it was pretty ignorant. But I can't blame her for having those views, of course, because what I did is typically viewed as a flaw in society. But I took that flaw and I turned it into a strength of mine. And I am so proud of that strength. I am proud of the fact that I was a young mother and I have come this far. So I raised my hand and I said, you know what? I am in my 20s and I have four kids. And I have gotten this far. And it's important for you to not assume that being a young mom is something that a young mom should be insecure about. Because it's people like that that make us want to feel insecure, but then it's the rest of the people in the class that are like, wow, you're so amazing. You know, you're in grad school and you're doing all these things and you should be so proud of yourself. And it's like, wait, that's a strength of mine. This is a strength that I was a young parent and got through all this. And now here I am sitting in a graduate class. So this is what I mean when I say to flaunt those flaws take it and allow it to be a strength for you. Allow it to be something that you're proud of. Be proud of overcoming an addiction and getting through that. That's something to be proud of. Be proud of, you know, um, let's say dropping out of high school and then going back and graduating. Be proud of getting yourself off of the streets and, and, you know, not being homeless anymore and starting a career. Be proud of these things that you have done for yourself because other people might make you feel like they are insecurities and that you should have low self-esteem because of them. But I am telling you right now, you should have the highest self-esteem there is because you got yourself through it and you should be proud of yourself. You should flaunt it. I want you to stop carrying the guilt of your childhood or the guilt of a past breakup that you may have participated in in a negative way. And I want to talk about this term survival skills. 
Um, as a mental health professional, I can tell you that this is something we talk about when we look at resiliency um, and somebody that is trying to become more self-aware, um, be more mind, have more mindfulness, and they sort of um, relive their past or anything they've been through and kind of look at where they went wrong. And we look at these survival strategies that you developed in response to whatever it was that you were dealing with. Um, so a good classic example of this would be, let's say your parents were very cold to you growing up. They um, rejected a lot of your emotions and didn't have a household where you could express what you're feeling, whether it was anger or any sort of typically negative emotions. And then think about how did you strategize and come up with mechanisms that would get you to survive through that. So a lot of times in a child, this would be rebellion um, and then also maybe repressing a lot of their emotions, um, not knowing how to handle a lot of negative emotions, kind of shutting down, not communicating with others how they feel, and not learning how to access these emotions within us that we need to feel in order to have a strong, healthy um, mental health. So when we think about these survival skills that we develop, this affects our um, self-awareness. This affects how we're able to identify what we're feeling and then know how to express it. It's very fundamental things that a healthy child should learn while they're growing up. Unfortunately, when a child is growing up in a traumatic situation, um, they don't always experience this. They A lot of children don't have parents that are educated and know to teach their children how to identify emotions, how to properly express them. And when we lose our aware of ourself and who we are, this can manifest in our adulthood and we end up becoming huge pushovers. Um, we end up being very confused on how to express how we're feeling to other people. Um, and we really lose a sense of ourself and our confidence. And that's where I'm tying this in. We lose our ability to stand our ground, have confidence, and know what we want. So whether it's defending ourselves when somebody treats us poorly or having legitimate goals that we can reach in our lives. Um, and so to tie it all together, when we have these survival skills, which typically is, like I said, repressing your emotions, um, shutting down, not knowing how to properly identify what we're feeling, we end up putting all of that responsibility into other people to tell us how to feel. So, like I said, think about the child that had, you know, maybe grew up in a single parent household. There wasn't a lot of table talk, like I say. They didn't sit down for dinner every night. They didn't talk about their day. They didn't talk about what they were feeling. They didn't learn how to identify emotions. Um, and they eventually learn how to survive that type of household by repressing what they feel. And then let's say they become an adult and they're in a relationship and their girlfriend is like, 
geez, you seem so cold. You know, um, why don't you ever tell me how you feel? Why aren't you more emotional with me? And we can think of this as, well, this is their survival skill. This is how they got through relationships their whole life. Um, and that affects their self-esteem because they deep down don't even understand what they're doing. It's typically like a subconscious type of thing. Um, a great example too, um, from my own personal life is so in high school, when I was in relationships, I was very emotional, very sensitive, you know, would write the whole love letters, was very into my relationships. Then as I experienced traumatic things in my romantic relationships, um, from one relationship to another, now this is something I struggle with in my own relationship because I basically feel like a robot. I feel like I'm not able to feel very deep emotions when it comes to love and um, connecting on a romantic level. And this isn't the fault of my partner. This isn't the fault of, you know, just my personality. I think it it's a way that I defended myself from pain when I went through these traumatic experiences in my past relationships. And now my husband and I have to work towards, you know, digging deeper, finding that within me and not putting up a wall because that's what protected me in the past. That's that shield that I developed so that I wouldn't get hurt from other people in my other relationships. Um, now it affects my my personal life to this day, and I'm trying to work through that. I'm trying to build the confidence and the self-esteem to not put up that wall anymore, to let somebody in. And so it is important, though, that I forgive myself for being this way, because the more I beat myself up for, you know, like I said, being a robot or having a difficult time getting in touch with those feelings, the worse it's going to be for me. Instead of just recognizing that this is who I am, these are the survival skills that I have acquired and now they're holding me back and I need to work through them and recognizing that this is a part of my past. This is a part of what got me through what I went through. I am able to move forward and build that confidence and recognize that I deserve better. To forgive myself and recognize that I deserve better to feel what love is again. I deserve to have a good romantic relationship. I deserve to feel butterflies when I see the person I love. I deserve to know what it's like to feel loved. And when we beat ourselves up for failed relationships or for the mistakes of other people and the way that other people have mistreated us, we forget what it's like to truly feel loved. We forget what it's like to love. But don't you think that as a human being, we all deserve to feel these positive emotions too? Don't you think that we owe it to ourselves to forgive ourselves for being who we've been before? And then doing everything in our power to make our lives better now. Doing everything in our power to make sure that we figure out a way to start feeling those good emotions. Figure out a way to start experiencing those butterflies when you see a person that you love. Figuring out a way to 
just experience the positive, more happy things in life than being fixated on stuff that we want to change about ourselves. This whole message that I am sending you is not about changing yourself. It's about finding the good within you and bringing it to the surface and emphasizing it so that your life is better, so that you're not stuck in this dark rut, in this tunnel, and that you're going to get out of this tunnel. I am here to hold your hand and help you through it. And I want you to start bringing those positive things to the surface that you've been shoving down, that other people have been shoving down, and start embracing them. So I want you to think about that timeline that I had just talked about from the moment you were born all the way up until now. And I then want you to think about all the negative things that people have said to you up until this point. But how many times have you believed it? How many times has somebody told you that you are fat and you were like, yeah, you know what? I really am. I need to lose some weight. How many times has somebody told you that you're probably not capable of doing something or achieving a goal and you thought, yeah, you know what? Probably not. I don't think I have it in me. How many times have you believed all of the lies that people tell you about yourself? Think about how much you have allowed other people to chip away at your self-esteem. How many times you have given that control and that responsibility about how you feel about yourself to somebody else. And now I want you to think about how much you have blamed how you feel about yourself on other people, how your life has turned out, how maybe angry you are, or any sort of mental health issues that you're battling right now. How many times have you blamed your parents for the way they raised you? How many times have you blamed that person that mistreated you 10 years ago? How many times have you blamed the person that gave you bad restaurant service for ruining your day? How many times have you given control to everybody else around you how you feel about yourself? This is about you. You are in control of how you feel about yourself. You are in control of how much self-esteem you have. Now is the time to stop blaming everybody else for how you feel about yourself. Stop allowing other people to be responsible for your self-esteem. When we put that control in our own hands and we start to realize that we are worthy of high self-esteem, we are worthy of confidence, we are worthy of finding high self-worth, we will realize that it's not up to anybody else. It's not the fault of our parents. It's not the fault of a coworker that was rude to us. It's time for us to take responsibility for that because you do have the power. You do have the control to find your own worth. But we can't do that until we forgive ourselves for who we are, who we have been, And then just focus on who we want to be. The next topic is empathy. And I'm not going to get as far into this as I did with forgiveness. Because let's face it, you cannot have 
high self-esteem and find true self-worth if you cannot forgive yourself, if you cannot get over who you were before or the things you've done or if you never deal with those skeletons in your closet. So that is definitely part of step one of finding your worth is forgiveness. Um, And I'm going to get off of that soapbox now and I'm going to transition to empathy. And I know it seems weird to talk about empathy when it comes to building self-esteem. But if you think about that cliche um, theory that helping other people, you help yourself, it is so true. If we just start looking at that from a way that we never thought before and realizing that we can connect that um, way of helping others into a lot of parts of our lives. Um, For me, I'm able to take my experiences and allow it to make me, I feel like a more authentic person. I have this ability to kind of put my wall down and connect with pretty much anybody. I could literally be sitting at a bar and a stranger could be next to me and I could start talking to them and they'll start telling me their life story and I just listen and show them empathy. And I don't know if it's a gift. I don't know if it's a skill that I've just acquired over life experience. Um, But I think it's really important because it has taught me that I have something to offer in a relationship or I have something to offer to society. So when I think about empathy, I want you to think of it from like a purpose standpoint. I want you to think of it from a way of like, okay, do I have a meaningful purpose in life? And does this purpose help other people? And it could be being a parent. So do I have a meaningful purpose of being a good mother or father and raising successful adults? Do I have a purpose of taking a, let's say you have a health issue that you've dealt with for many years and most people don't really understand what it's like to experience a health issue, but there are people that need someone like you to advocate for them and connect with them to help them through something that you've been through. So when we look at it from like a purpose standpoint and we find meaningfulness within our experiences and within who we are and what makes us driven, that will build our confidence. That will allow us to take our experiences, take something unique about ourselves and blossom it. So a good example of this is my husband. He's a veteran. So he served in the army infantry for eight years. He was a drill sergeant. And I thought it was crazy that he never talked about his experiences in the army when I first met him. Like, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's part of who I am, you know? And I thought like, you know, coming from somebody in the mental health field, I'm like, do you know how many people like are looking to go to um, counseling or therapy that have PTSD, but literally do not want to sit in front of a young female therapist because they know that this therapist has never actually experienced being overseas or being in the military. You have something valuable to offer to society. You have something valuable to go out into the world and connect with other people. You have experienced something I've never experienced. You have insight in something that I can't even begin to understand. But there are other people that need that insight. There are people that you could help out there. So he could use those skills as a veteran in his parenting, 
because he's very good at obviously like teaching sufficient skills to be for survival. Um, he could use those skills to possibly become a therapist that specializes in veterans. He could use those skills in the workplace because he's very good at direction and keeping things in order and deadlines and achieving goals. So take those experiences and find a meaningful purpose, but also allow it to connect you to other people. So there are two messages within this when I talk about empathy. Empathy as in being able to feel with other people and use your experiences to connect with them and know that you have something to offer. And then also that purpose within you. And I like to connect that purpose to helping others because that's just a part of who I am, but it could be different for you. But I will tell you that helping others will bring meaningfulness to your life. And and by doing so, you will build a higher sense of self-worth. So when I say that my husband would be valuable in a field of helping other people, he could, you know, sit in front of a military veteran and understand what it's like to be in their shoes and know firsthand those emotions and how that feels to be in that situation. And that could help bring healing for my husband too. And that would make me more valuable if I was sitting in front of somebody that was maybe a young mother. Or when you're talking mom to mom and you're just talking about your kid's struggles. And it feels good to know that like you're helping this mom get through, you know, having a colicky baby because you've been there. You know what it's like to have a baby that cries the first few months of their life. <laughs> or you know what it's like to, you know, be up all night taking care of a newborn. So you're able to connect with that person on a deeper level. And that's what I mean when I say um, if there was a client that was a veteran and had been overseas and wouldn't feel comfortable sitting in front of me and talking to me about their experiences because they know that I've never experienced that. And it's harder for them to connect with me on that level. Um, So, you know, I think we all have something valuable within ourselves that we can use to help other people. And when we pull that purpose out and we bring it to the surface, you will see that it makes you feel better about yourself and it will increase your self-esteem. And when we talk about empathy, I also want to talk about it in a way of feeling for other people and not being so offended by the way other people treat us. This is a really hard thing to master. We take things personal, whether it is a stranger cutting us off in the grocery store a waitress not giving us good service, somebody cutting us off. We take everything personal that people do. We think people are out to get us. We think that we are the center of the universe and we think that other people's actions are because of us. But the reality is that other people's actions are a reflection of themselves, not you. Our society is very capitalistic and competitive and we tend to develop this mindset that we have to be better than everybody else, that we have to be more successful, we have to have more money, we have to have a bigger house, we have to have a nicer family, or we have to look better than the other person. And because of this competitiveness that we have in our society, we tend to always be against everybody else around us. 
And we sabotage relationships because we're always trying to compete with everybody around us. Um, And I think that our society is so stuck on being this way and being better than the other person. But when we change our mindset to not being so competitive and towards other people and we start to lift others up, we will see a natural consequence of ourselves feeling better too. And so the next time you have bad service at a restaurant or someone is rude to you or someone treats you badly, remember that the way people treat you is a reflection of who they are. It is not a reflection of who you are. Do not let the way other people treat you make you think that you are worth less. And when you feel good about yourself and you start treating other people good too, this will go hand in hand with each other. And when we learn this lesson, we'll see that it's very easy to figure out who is suffering on the inside with their self-esteem and their self-worth because they tend to be the ones that blame others. They tend to be the ones that judge other people very easily. They tend to be the ones that get really angry when you have a debate about something or when you try to give constructive criticism. Um, I love the classic example of like, in a workplace when the coworker calls off because their kid is sick, you can always tell like the person in the room that's like has so much animosity and to me, self-esteem issues because they're so concerned about what somebody else is doing um, that they think the other person is lying about calling off and being sick or that their kid is sick or whatever it is. And then the person that is completely confident and has high self-esteem is just like, okay, I have no issue with that you know, the person called off, um, and they're confident in their own beliefs. So because they, you know, they just tend to be the ones that are just angry. I don't know how else to explain it, but I want you to not look at these people with hate because really they're people hurting on the inside. And so with this, I have a story. Um, there is somebody in our lives that is supposed to be pretty close to us, um, in my family. And we want this person to know our children. Um, you know, we want them to have a good relationship with us, but every time we try to get close to this person, we end up disappointed in her. And I think you all can think about somebody in your life like that. Um, and you know, we've spent many months and a couple of years angry. And until I realized that like me contributing to this drama is only hurting myself. Um, I experience this now with people, somebody in our life. I experienced this as a child with a person in my life that I felt like should have been there for me more growing up. And when I began to be the bigger person, though, in both of these instances, um, and when I extended the invites to come visit my kids or, you know, extended the invite for this person to be in my life more and that person didn't follow through, or when that person began to miss birthdays and holidays, I realized that this person is suffering and that I am just a chapter in that story. And I stopped taking it all so personally. And I kept letting this damage my self-esteem. But when I removed my personal emotions from their story, I realize that the way that they're treating us or feeling to participate in a relationship with us and my family is not a reflection of who I am or who my family is. So why am I letting that impact my self-esteem? Why do I feel like I am not good enough for this person? 
the truth is, is that the way people treat you, like I said, is not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of themselves. It's a reflection of how much they're hurting and what they need to work on still. So don't participate in the back and forth with someone that wants to verbally abuse you. Or don't participate in the texting back and forth with someone that disrespects you because you're never going to change their mind. You cannot force them to see how their actions hurt you. And you certainly cannot heal them. They have to heal themselves and you need to stop being their victim. What you can do is extend empathy and compassion and remind yourself that this person is hurting on the inside and hope that someday they find help and they heal themselves. But when we are able to give that compassion and we stop taking everything so personally and stop letting it damage our self-esteem and our worth, we can begin to move forward and not let people that do this to us in our lives hold us back. So the third topic I would like to talk about to find your worth is body image. I feel like I cannot sit here and talk about finding your worth and building your confidence and not caring what other people think unless I talk about body image. We live in a society where the way we look is so important. And I'll be honest, I am a firm believer in if you look good, you feel good. But where are those standards of looking good come from? Is it what media is telling us how we should look? Is it from the way the standards for women is, you know, how thin we should be, how beautiful we should look? And when we believe those things, it affects our self-esteem. But the truth is, is that we will never look good enough for the media and what we're being told we need to look like because those pictures are edited. Those women are cropped in the photo and distorted. They go through filters on Instagram to make themselves look like they have flawless skin. And we're sabotaging our ability to be comfortable in our own skin and not love our bodies because we're setting ourselves up to impossible standards. So I want to tie in our body image and our physical health to our mental health. Because oftentimes we look at these as two separate things. So let's say we're struggling with our mental health, our mind is suffering. And then we have these impossible standards that are being thrown at us when we turn on the TV or look at a magazine for our physical health. So a lot of times we feel like we're failing at both mental health and physical health, but let's start looking at it as one. When we are having pain in our, uh, let's say we're having a headache, we go to the doctor. When we need a teeth cleaning, we go to the dentist. But when our mind is hurting, where do we go? Some of us go to a therapist. Some of us think that going to therapy is taboo. Some of us don't have access to healthcare to be able to afford therapy. Because a lot of times in our society, mental health is looked at as something that almost, uh, I kind of look at it as like a privilege. Um, You know, we think of like going to therapy as an elective thing, something optional, something that, oh, if we have extra time and money, we can maybe work on ourselves a little bit. Um, But then physical health, 
is on a whole different level. And if you are someone like me that's always trying to better yourself, um, not just in your life, but physically too, um, we can't make changes to our physical health unless our mindset is there. And I think that this is always left out when we listen to people preach about, you know, losing weight or becoming healthier. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Buy all the shakes you want. Buy a gym membership. You know, pay $100 a month for this program. Do all those things, but nothing is going to change if you don't change your mindset. If you look in the mirror and you hate what you see, losing weight might not change the way you look at your body still. You could be skinnier. You could have more makeup on. But we need to fix what's inside. We need to fix why you're not happy with yourself. Why are you beating yourself up so much for the way you look? You should want to change the way you look or improve your physical health because you love yourself, because you deserve to be healthy. I I don't believe that we as women should be changing our bodies to impress other people. We should be changing our diets and our lifestyle because we love our ourselves, because we believe that our bodies deserve nourishment and deserve foods that will charge our brain. And we our bodies deserve foods that are going to give us a long life that will allow us to be there for when our children are grown to allow us to be there when our children have their own children. So if you're looking in the mirror and you don't like what you see and you want to change something, please don't change something for everybody else. Change your health and your the way you look and your physical health because your mindset is there, because in your mind you're healthy and you need to align these two. Because in your mind, you love yourself And you don't want to end up with a disease or with, you know, a difficult life ahead of you because you're not able to grasp what a physical, healthy lifestyle looks like. The truth is, diet is not just hitting the gym and changing what we eat. Dieting or improving our physical health is about transforming your mindset. When you think about body image, you need to love who you are first on the inside before you can change anything on the outside. Because the truth is, it's transforming the way we see ourselves. And if we would believe that we are worthy enough to nourish our bodies with foods or exercise that provide longevity, that improve our health, our hearts and our weight, whatever it may be, we have to have high self-esteem. I am saying that part of struggling with our physical appearance is struggling with our inability to see that we deserve to care more about our bodies. We deserve to look in the mirror and love what we see instead of wishing we looked like that girl on Instagram. We deserve to walk through the bathing suit section of Target and try on any pattern we like, regardless of the cut of the bathing suit or in fear that we might not look good in it when we spend the day at the pool with our kids. Diet and exercise are not about getting skinny. They are just a consequence of those actions that when we take control of our lives and make decisions that improve our health that are good for us. Losing weight just comes with this transformation. If you have a goal when you are looking to start a diet to simply lose weight, please stop right there. Do not make your goal about the way you look in the mirror. Make your goal about learning how to love yourself enough to put down the foods that have no nutritional value 
to choose the food that provides nourishment to your body instead. When I began my own fitness journey, I could not believe the amount of things in the foods that I was eating that I couldn't even pronounce. The dyes, the chemicals, or whatever else those perfect moms on my Facebook would post about warning me for years now. The truth is, is I started my fitness journey simply because I'm standing up in a wedding and I didn't want to be fat in my dress. That's the truth. But then as I continued on, I realized that I'm literally never going to be successful at this and get the body I want until I love myself first. So I have to just start being happy with the way I look now and love myself on the inside. And as I continued on and I began doing this low-carb diet, I began attending yoga daily. I began drinking a gallon of water daily and everything started to kind of fall into place. I realized that my goal actually was not about losing weight at all. My goal was about transforming my mindset and having an epiphany that when my mental health is strong, my physical health changes. It literally took me to this point to realize, wow, this isn't about losing weight at all. This is about loving myself and my body enough to stop feeding it garbage. Loving my kids enough to stop feeding them garbage. Loving myself and my body enough to attend yoga so that my mental health feels good. At the end of the day, after a really hard work day, when I go to yoga, I go there to rest my mind. But then I was sore the next day and my physical health was intact. And I realized that, wow, when I put these two together, I see results. Loving myself and my body enough to nourish it with water instead of soda that's filled with chemicals that I have no idea what it is doing to my body. Loving myself and my body enough to take care of this vessel so that my children have a healthy mother and I live in a long life with them. I think something important here too is to not be so hard on yourself. Find a healthy lifestyle that works for you. If you enjoy having a piece of cake at your daughter's birthday, do it. If you enjoy taking your kids for ice cream after school on Fridays, do it. If you enjoy having a glass of wine every night after kids go to bed and you only like white wine and there's sugar in it, have the wine. Do not make this about starving yourself or depriving yourself of things you enjoy. Make this about seeing how important this vessel you call your body is and figure out what it is that you need to have a healthier life. I would like to end this episode by giving you three different tools for positive self-talk that you can use throughout the day or when you find yourself in conflict. The first is about forgiveness. When we talk about forgiving ourselves, I want you to say, I deserve peace. So when you're thinking about the past or you are very stuck on something that you wish you would have done differently, maybe a bad decision that you feel like you made, you're carrying the guilt of something that happened in your childhood, I want you to just pause, ground your feet, put your hand on your heart, and say three words, I deserve peace. You deserve to be at peace with yourself and to forgive yourself. We can do this to ourselves when we are driving and we're thinking about things, We can do this to ourselves when we are thinking about an argument we had with somebody and we said something we didn't mean. You deserve peace with yourself. I deserve peace.
And when it comes to having empathy or finding worth through helping other people, I want you to do this little trick I have when I feel like I want to get really mad at somebody um, because they've hurt me or they've put me down. I want you to count from 10 to 1. So we count 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And we think about how we can respond to this person in a way that is not going to fuel the fire. We ask ourselves if we deserve the treatment they're giving us and if it reflects who we are. So when you're in an argument with someone and you feel like they're really hurting you and you feel like they're really putting you down, I want you to count down from 10 before responding and think about if your response is worth it. Think about if this person is hurting inside and if you want to fuel that. And remove your personal emotions from the conversation. Count down from 10 before you respond in an argument. Before you write that angry text back to somebody, telling them all the things they've done to hurt you, telling them how horrible of a person they are. Count down from 10 and learn when to walk away from something that is not serving you and from something that is damaging you. Wait to respond. Think before you respond. Count down from 10 and remind yourself that you don't have control over what people say to you, but you have control over how you react and how it affects you. In the last line of positive self-talk, I want you to say to yourself, when you're looking in the mirror and you're trying to figure out how you can feel better about the way you look, I want you to say five words. I deserve to feel good. Tell yourself this. Say it out loud. When we change the way we talk to ourselves, we can change our confidence. I want you to look in the mirror and say, I deserve to feel good. And you will start to see changes. You will start to see changes in the men- your mental health and your physical health because you will see that you deserve this. Even when you're in your car, you're busy, or you're trying to figure out, do I want to indulge in an unhealthy meal that serves no value to my physical body? Or do I want to pick a meal that provides nutrients? What's going to make you feel good? What's going to give you energy? What's going to make you feel good in your body? Say to yourself, I deserve to feel good. Thank you for listening to episode two, Find Your Worth. One of the most important keys to finding your grit is seeing how worthy you are of success. I hope you enjoyed it and I look forward to episode three.